really great to meet you, um, meet you like face to face because um, this is not a part of the interview. But uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I um, I have seen you in person before. I saw you at the Chromatic Show in Brooklyn like five or six years ago or something like that. Was it at the uh, um, the what was it the uh, Brooklyn Steel? Yes, exactly. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that was a fun show. Yeah, it was cool seeing you do um, um, that song in auto tune. I forgot the exact name of it. It's like this. Uh, oh, the streets. These streets will never look the same. There you go. They're like seven minute, like epic song. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty sick. Yeah, that was always a really fun part of the set. It was like pretty like because it was just so there's just like a lot of builds and, and drops in that song. So it was and people a lot of times weren't really expecting it too. So it was, that was yeah, I always loved doing that song like a fan favorite yeah um all right so i guess we'll just start off um i'm gonna just say um so um so from what i can tell from your social media presence uh, you've been a fan of guitar-centric music since you were quite young um but there's this point in everyone's life where they go from being like an admirer to like a doer of the thing and um so at what point in your life did you go from like listening to like for example like a roxy music uh, guitar solo to like being able to just play like along with it um I think that I've just always tried to emulate whatever it was that I was into from like a younger age. I mean, for music, for me, like when Nirvana came out, I was so into Nirvana and I still love Nirvana, obviously, but that's kind of like how I learned how to play guitar. Just like my cousin taught me some, taught me how to play smells like teen spirit one day. And Mm -hmm. then I I just learned every Nirvana song. So as my tastes sort of changed, as I've as 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 my tastes developed, and mm. just I explored more music because I just love music and I'm always just open to whatever you know whatever speaks to me. So maybe you know Roxy Music spoke to me at a later age than I don't think I would be ready to receive Roxy music when I was like 13 and really into Nirvana, but who knows, maybe I would be, but, uh, so, but I I definitely cannot play like Phil Manzanero from Roxy music. I'll tell you that. I mean, but I, all I could do is kind of try to copy, but then it's like, you know, I'll, I'll not copy, but play along with, but then when you play along with music that you like, eventually sort of like through osmosis, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, certain things will, sort of filter into your own style of playing and so i feel that's kind of how i learned and also i have a very i i think i have a kind of a weird style of playing because i'm left-handed but i play right-handed so i play like kind of to like the the weaknesses of like somebody who's playing who's left-handed but's playing right-handed because like certain Mm. things i just can't do like I actually want to learn how to play left-handed actually i'd be like way better at the rhythm yeah mm-hmm. so so i do more sort of dancing like I, I don't know there's just more emphasis on my left hand because i'm left-handed so i'm always it's it's a little easier for me so that, that okay. answer your question yeah that, ma- that makes a lot of sense to me okay cool yeah like when, when did you learn how to play guitar like when did you first pick up a guitar like for instance uh in sixth grade which was like 19 19- 91 i think yeah 91 um but i was lucky because my cousin he was he's like maybe eight years older than me and he was in a band he lived in dc area and he was kind of connected with like the discord people and like 
um, Positive Force, which was like a, um, like a, I can't, I can't really describe Positive Force, but they just like, I don't know, the, the name describes it, like they're doing positive things in the community and it was associated with Discord. Mm-hmm. And um, so he was in this band, they were, they were called Blind. They were kind of like an alternative rock band. And then he went on to be in this band called Godhead. I don't know if you guys ever heard of them, but they were they were kind of popular. They were like, they went on tour with OzFest and like, well, oh, okay. they were on Marilyn Manson's label and stuff. They had this like gothy cover of Eleanor Rigby, like in like 1998. That was kind of popular. Like they did, they did pretty well, I think in Germany. I mean, my cousin made a living. I, he still makes a living off of music, but anyway, so his, before, before all that, in his like he was like in his early 20s his band would come through on tour and stay at my parents house and i'm like 13 you know my cousin's like 21 22 and i'm just like yeah yeah how do you play it smells like teen spirit and my cousin's like <laughs> like he's just yeah, like that's, that's always how you start because I, I i tried to pick up guitar like in fifth or sixth grade and all i wanted to do was just like like let me play my chemical romance stop teaching me this fucking beethoven like right <laughs> yeah exactly i mean I kind of I did take guitar lessons for a little while. I took some classical lessons, but the teacher actually like stopped teaching me because he told my mom he didn't want to teach me anymore because I wasn't practicing. My teacher stuff. did literally the exact same thing. How funny I is mean, that? Yeah, I understand. <laughs> if I was a teacher too, I probably would have fired me as well. But it's just <laughs> how that those are good foundations to learn and everything. But if you're not if you're not going to hear them, uh, there's really no point you know, just go with like what speaks to you. So like now I wish, I mean, I wish I could play like classical style or whatever. I took classical lessons for a teeny bit, maybe like 10 years ago. And it was really like mind expanding, just Hmm. like, just her showing me all the things that I was doing wrong with like my hand position from like a lifetime of like, just doing things in my own weird way. But yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it, that's interesting how like you've been known as a guitarist for such a long time like um like i mean a lot of fans consider you probably like an iconic guitarist at this point and it's like yeah you still you're still learning new things learning foundations and stuff it's cool well yeah i think that anybody who like just i just want to always be learning new things and expanding and trying to just you know um what's the word i'm looking for sort of not ingest but or digest or whatever and because i the more that i know because even with the classical lessons that i had for that for that two-month period like 10 years ago it's still i know it still helped me out it it helped me to rethink of the guitar in a different way because i didn't Hmm. that i had never really considered just like with moving the just getting different notes like around i used to think of a guitar more as like sort of like a block of sound whereas now like after playing taking the classical lessons i i was able to see it more kind of like how a piano is laid out like with yeah yeah like lower part and the higher part so scales and that kind of stuff yeah more like i I don't know any scales i was like one of the reasons why i stopped too she wanted me to like learn how to play music and i was just like I mean, music the band, theory and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The right. band was on tour a lot, so it was really hard for me to stick with it consistently. Mm-hmm. But I just, I don't know how to read music. I've always played by ear, and uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I tried to do it for like a half an hour. I was like, I cannot. I just don't <laughs> do this at all. It just doesn't. Re- I just don't get it. I don't relate to it. I don't want to do it. Not. I mean, you people can do it and do it really great. I just just didn't speak to me i guess yeah 
that, that makes a lot of sense. And then just going more into uh, kind of more into like relevant to your new album cycle. I wanted to say, um, uh, so if I'm not mistaken, Chromatic started like as a solo project with the uh, single Beach of Infants. Is that true? Yeah, we had, um, I had done a, a tape, a cassette tape beforehand that I only made like 20 or 30. I think it had Beach of Infants on it too, or maybe it didn't. Beach of Infants was the first song I ever wrote for Chromatics, um, though. So yeah, it did, it did sort of start as a solo project. I ha- I was wanted to have include other people in the band, but I was in another band and, and it was really frustrating, like the songwriting process. It would be like five of us in a room and it'd be like everybody had an opinion as to like what needed to be done but then what happened was the songs ended up not really, it was just too, it was like everybody in the band was super talented and went on to do really cool bands too. But it was kind of like a, in my opinion, I mean, I think the music that we made is neat now, but at the time it felt like a too many cooks in the kitchens sort of thing. So yeah, for myself, I was just like, I had my four track and I had a, had a drum machine and I was just like started just writing music on my own. And I was like, man, I like this so much better than, than what my other band is working on. And like, we, I don't have to sit and like try to convince somebody like for two hours that we right. should do things this way. And then, so, and the band was kind of already fizzling out too in certain ways. Cause one of the people in the band, their other band got pretty popular at the time. So like so he had to dedicate more of his attention to that so i yeah so it did start as sort of a solo project and then it sort of morphed into i never played like solo by myself it was like my my friend michelle and i and then she she joined and then my friend then devin and michelle and i and then devin and hannah and i so it's like a full and then there's been like you know lots of people um after that but then it's Mm kind of really settled into the lineup that in 2006 of like that people kind of know it no yeah johnny and all them yep yeah and i I wanted to ask you also um i know that you linked back up with dave gardner um oh yeah mastered the first single right and he also mastered the entire the new album did you did Um, you did you hear me say that before? Did you, where'd you, did, you did your research. I like that. I read in your Instagram post. You oh, okay. Like, okay. Okay. Good. good. That, well, that's that he was, yeah. That he's like an old, like school friend of yours. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And- he, um, Dave is just such a great guy. He's just like one of those people that is loves to pass on knowledge to people. And he's always been so helpful. I mean, ever since I was like 15 going to shows, I, I think Dave's like, probably like 10 years older than me. So I'd go see his bands. And then he got, he was really more into, got more into like recording and mastering. And he became like the, I think he was the, the engineer and, and or mastering engineer at, at amphetamine reptile. Do you know what that is? Like, uh, like helmet. Um, oh, sure. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like an old, like a, like rocker, like kind of punk rock label. Right. Stuff, right? right. Yeah. Right. Kind I'm of familiar. Like, of course. Yeah. So he worked there for a while and then, um, but all like, he was just always really helpful. Like, you know, he would just like give like old, like my friends and I, like he helped record vocals for an old band that I was in just like at a really nice studio, like totally for free. Like when I was in Mm -hmm. high school. So I love Dave. So, so he, he lives in LA now and uh, 
now he's like a very he's continued on his path and he's like a very professional mastering engineer so it felt like kind of as i'm starting like a new step in my like life just to kind of like go back and touch base with somebody who is was so helpful to me back then so it was it was really awesome so okay cool because i was gonna i was literally gonna ask you what compelled you to link up with him again but i think that kind of answers the question yeah yeah it was just sort of it felt like the right thing to do and he was just so helpful because anytime i have a question he's just like answers it like right away and like like just you know small tech stuff because i'm not really i don't really know how i'm not that savvy especially with well, I don't record on a computer, but I like the album ended up in the computer, like working on it and stuff. Mm-hmm. So just little things you don't know about, like importing thing, like importing waves and AIFs at like certain uh, speed, not speeds, but just like not putting it in your iTunes or things like that. Just like just yeah, little yeah, small yeah. Techn- things that can make a stuff. big, yeah, yeah technical exactly. stuff that can make a big difference. And he he's... I mean, he. I still ask him questions. Yeah, like the master. Please not annoyed yet at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, he's like the master of mastering. Exactly. Yeah, right? yeah. Yep. He just mastered the um all the bad brains reissues. That was pretty cool. Oh, that's like, fire! I love bad brains. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty awesome. It's pretty cool to just like yeah, to have friends that just do cool stuff like that. You know. Yeah, like at your disposal. Yeah, that's. That makes that's that's super cool. Um, and then moving on to just like um, I wanted to ask you. Um, it's really interesing that like if when you if you view your career as quite, kind of like a sonic journey. So starting off from like the Vogue, like the uh, the more post punky, like the fall kind of you know rock music, then to Chromatics Phase One, where it was like punk music, you know, Basement Rats, all that kind of stuff. Then you move on to like the pastel, like and funk and like daydreams and cinematic stuff. You get to like the Drive era, Kill for Love era. And now you're kind of at gateway. So, and the, the connective link and connective tissue obviously is you, but also your guitar. And um, with each progressive step, I've, I've noticed that the music has gotten like softer and just a little bit more abstract, a little bit more like mm. motif-like. And um, how would you describe your sound palette in 2022? And um, why is now the time to give the world that sound palette with gateway? Well, I think as an artist, I just try to do what feels right for me. And I just wanted to sort of make a record that just felt right for me at the time. I had, and that's kind of just what I was, that's what I was feeling. Like I really love instrumental music. My mm-hmm. tastes have just kind of drifted towards that, especially more, I don't know, the past five or six years, like, and I wanted to make a record that sort of continued on in the lineage of things that I liked, but was just sort of also, it wasn't trying to be anything other than just what like me honest, like just, and very raw and exposed and very minimal. And Mm -hmm. that's, I know that, you know, as long as I can, if I step out there and just be myself, it'll, and don't try to be anybody else. Like, I think that I'll, I'll get somewhere, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll say, I mean, I, I hope that it will speak to other people because there's nobody that I'm like trying to be like, I think that there's obvious reference points. Like you can tell that I'm a big Darudi column fan. You can tell that I'm a big 
Maury Stebank um, era felt fan. You can tell I love Ashra Temple and stuff, but it's like all those people are like way, way beyond my skill level. It's like th- those people are like just virtuosos. And I, I have, um, since I'm self-taught and kind of DIY, I just sort of have my own, I tried to make my own sort of DIY interpretation of that Yeah, yeah. based on my limitations. And I feel, because for me, I know that um, emotion is the most important thing for me over technique. And mm-hmm. so I feel like I, I can, I mean, I feel like I can put emotion to the music or how I want to. That's my, that's my goal. And so the rest of it, as long as there's the emotion there, it doesn't really matter what the sort of um, mo- uh, technique is or whatever. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It makes sense. I mean, it makes you unique in that way because like if you, let's say you did all those classical lessons and you like, you know, tried to be in their shadow and like tried to be a virtuoso too, like you're just going to end up just making the, the music that they make. And then what's the point, right? Right. Yeah. It's like, I know that I have my own point of view. So it's like, it's when I was younger, I definitely wanted to be like other people. Like I definitely, I was just like, man, why can't I just be like the fall or something? Yeah. It's like, I think when you're younger and you just, it's, it's easier to do that. I, I'm, I feel more secure in myself now. So I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with myself. Yeah. Be your own guitar hero. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not a hero, but. (laughs) <laughs> be my own guitar guy <laughs> yeah yeah so now going into these two singles night bloom and erosion that i've heard so far i've listened to them plenty of times um and so from what i can gather the i haven't listened to the album yet obviously it's coming out friday right um but um the record is like kind of like eight, eighteen. 18 from what i can tell it's like 18 kind of phases and moods and like as, as i said like kind of like impressionistic like motifs um, and pieces and um, of these two particular songs, like what can you kind of tell me, like the mood that you're trying to convey or the emotion, as you said, maybe for Night Bloom, mm. for instance? I just, I wasn't necessarily trying to convey emo- an emotion. That song, it just sort of, it just came out that way. I mean, everything kind of comes out in a certain way, but that song in particular, it was very strange how I came up with it. I had written a piece of music that I really liked, but the i thought that the music was good but i just found like the presentation of it wasn't it wasn't good enough like it just i didn't like the rhythm of it and i didn't it just sounded a little derivative too so i was like mm-hmm. but the mute i'm just talking about like the actual melodies and something i i i really liked those so what i ended up doing was i have this sort of thing that i learned how to play like these kind of like long drones with the guitar with with volume swells and um Mm -hmm. i just sort of played on top of this track that i mean it had drums and it had a drum machine and and like obvious guitar on it and so i played the drone over it and then i played another drone over it but i didn't listen as i was playing the drones i didn't listen to the, when I played the second drone, I didn't listen to the first drone. And then what I did, it was I pulled all the music out except for the drones. 
Oh, and then, okay, sure. And so the drones weren't even recorded, like res- responding to each other. They were like the base was kind of removed out of it, like ba- like base meaning like base level, not like base frequency. And mm-hmm. uh, when I did that, I was like, "Whoa, this is like this is awesome! Like I'm I'm into this." And then I slowed the tape down too and gave it just gave it more, even like a just a heavier sort of feel. And uh, I'm really happy with the way that it turned out. And it probably has like kind of an emotional character too, just because of the, or another reason is just, I tend to write like a lot of stuff, like in a certain, like, I think the chords when I originally did it were like C, A minor, F and G, which is very, that's similar to chromatic shadow and a lot of sort of doo-wop songs. And that's just, what I was really into writing for, for a while. So, or writing with, that's what felt good. So that's, that's kind of how that song came out. And all, all, all the kind of droney stuff on my album, it all, it was all sort of recorded that way. It was just mm-hmm. like, I did it. And then it was like the harder, hardest part about it was sort of just like editing it and trying to figure out what parts, you know, what I should leave in for night bloom. I pretty much left in everything, but sometimes so I would hit a like a wrong note or something and it just it would clash so i i had to strip those parts out yeah i got you yeah it makes sense from what i can hear like listening tonight it's almost like an ambient like isolated kind of winding like going down like a road of darkness or something like that it's more feels more thematic and then erosion is kind of a little bit more dreamy a little bit more like um subdued i guess i'd say yeah yeah definitely and there's i mean there's stuff on it too that doesn't sound like that at all and it's just like obviously guitar i was i mean because a lot of people i've seen people write about the night bloom and erosion and they write about it like it's synthesizer which i think is really cool i mean Mm -hmm. that's neat that it sounds like that to them but it's not and uh which is another cool thing that i like about it just that it sounds it is guitar right yeah it is yeah it's all guitar really interesting it doesn't it's i i reserve like what what they exactly say about it also because i i also thought it sounded like a synthesizer or like a synth pad or something like that right yeah and, and it's the but it, because of it is a guitar it's just more prone to the sort of things that a guitar is like a little more i feel like a a little harder to control and for me it's because it's like I don't know. You have to be really careful. You hit the wrong string. You can just like ruin a fuck up the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. exactly. Like there was for chromatics. um, Well, actually on gateway too, but there was like a, a tuning that I had for chromatics. That was like all the songs were kind of in, in this tuning. So it was sort of like a variant of standard tuning, but certain strings were like tuned up and tuned down and Mm -hmm. it sounded really cool. Like, with the rest of the music, but if I hit a wrong note, open note, yeah, yeah, <laughs> while some of that stuff was going, it was it was sounded really bad. Yeah, it was very sp- very specific, like tuning and stuff. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and um, what was I gonna say? Um, so I'm definitely excited to like meditate to the album uh, when it awesome. finally com- comes out because I de- I do like a transcendental meditation from you know now and again um are you like are you into meditation that's one of the things i definitely wanted to ask is that did you make this i'm not gonna say did you make this album to meditate to but like do you do you like engage in that does meditation help does it help with your creative process yeah it does i mean 
So I, I meditate every day. I use this one. I can't remember. It's the people. My wife went on like a silent retreat, like a 10 day meditation retreat. And uh, it pretty much just changed her life like for the, for the better. And so they have an app and all I do, it's just, I just play the recording of that uh, on the app of this guy just telling you to like pay attention to your breath, like through your nostrils. I've tried lots of other things like Calm and Sam Harris. And I mean, they, they're useful. And, but I think what happens sometimes for me, I really start to focus like too much on the detail, like listening to like Calm or something like, I would just be like, this woman's got to be from Ontario. Her accent is like, <laughs> it's just like kind of like too distracting. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not knocking those things at all. I think they're all great. But just like listening to this one guy and he's just like, he's saying very few words and he's just telling you just like pay attention to your nostrils. Like, like that's all you're supposed to do. And uh, it's very helpful for me um, for focusing and just, it helps me when I notice that my thoughts start to drift towards something else. I'm just like, pay attention to the breath, like your nostrils or whatever. And just brings my mind back. And then I feel like a lot of gateway was sort of recorded. Uh, I, they, they are kind of like guitar meditations. Like a lot of times I'll just wake up and I'll start recording something I'll just play guitar for like 10 minutes, a half an hour. And I just kind of record it direct to CD. And when the CD fills up, I import it into my computer and just put it in a playlist. I don't even listen to it. Then maybe like a year later, I'll listen to it. I don't even Hmm. remember what I did half the time. And then I'll, I'll just sort of put it on in the background and then I'll be like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Or like, this is, not good or whatever it's just you know i can listen to it with more critical like ears so then i then for gateway i I turned a lot of that stuff that i sort of recorded that was just raw improvised Mm -hmm. into into the album so it was kind of coming from like a really un uh cluttered i guess kind of like a more pure place but that's also how a lot of chromatic songs kind of came out too they were like a lot of times it was just me with a drum machine and a guitar. Like that was like the, the basis for like a lot of songs that like birds, like birds of paradise is one of my favorite chromatic songs. Is that like a similar kind of thing? Cause that's a very guitar centric track. That one is, there's a lot of collaged stuff, but the, the guitar stuff definitely came out of stuff like that. Like um, for sure. Definitely. No doubt. I remember it now. Yeah. Probably. Funny you say that. I, I have. I'm sure I should, I could dig up the demo somewhere where I where that melody came out of. So it's just like it's sort of just like a a melody notebook or something. You know what I mean? Because sometimes mm-hmm. we would turn guitar lines into vocal lines, or just it's just kind of just trying to stay open to, to everything. Yeah, I, I, what I love about chromatic music, since you're like open to talking about it a little bit, um, what I love about the chromatic so much is that like. You and Ruth almost like duet, like you like your guitar and her vocals are almost like duetting in certain ways. Like, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's that's what I like most about it. Like your your tones are so um, what do you call? It?
called. They're so unique and so like, they're, they're like the best part of the song. I don't know. In my opinion, they're like the best part of the songs. They're like really like just, just so iconic and just so like, I don't know. They just, hit, they just wow. hit my brain in a certain way. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, so maybe like going, going a little bit back into your influences and also kind of uh, um, talking about the song Birds of Paradise. Um, the song that what you sent me yesterday, um, uh, the D bank era felt. Oh uh, yeah. Album. The song red Indians reminded me of that a lot, actually. Oh uh, yeah. 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 That song. Yeah, man. That song is awesome. I love that song. If you listen to that song too, you're just like, you listen to that and you listen to Metallica, nothing else matters. Metallica, I literally wrote, oh my God. I wrote, yeah. Felt you wrote that word for word. It says, which reminds me a lot of nothing else matters by Metallica. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what, yeah. I wonder if Metallica, like, to, I, it would be hard for me to believe that they took influence from that. But I mean, Maurice Debank was a classical player. So it's probably kind of like a very classical motif. And I think Kirk Hammett is like a classically trained guitar player but definitely those old metallica records were those when the you know when they have like the pretty guitar parts that stuff has always been a really big influence on me i mean i i love metallica period but just like you know the the opening of one that do 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 right it's so good man so good yeah, that's the most, and same with Metallica. Honestly, that's my favorite part of their their shit too. Just like the kind of like uh, before it gets crazy and before right. the solos start ripping off, and it's like yeah. or, you know, it's like the you know, like Welcome Home Sanitarium, that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, Fade to Black, yeah. Like, guitar meditations of that sort. I think those are guitar meditations too, and it's and it's great to hear that that you were influenced by that because Birds of Paradise rings to me as like it's like it reminds me of Metallica, and in a great way. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I would have ne- I would have never put that one together, but now that you say it, I I can see that for sure. I I heard that I, I would love to hear like Kirk Hammett's like notebook. Like I heard that he like records a bunch of stuff into his phone all the time, like little riffs. Hmm. And I'm just like, I bet there's so much so much amazing music in there. Like gold, yeah, absolutely. Man, yeah, he's so good. So uh, continuing more with uh, music you were influenced by, I-, I was also listening to some Robert Smith of The Cure. Um, and the song A Reflection is something that definitely reminds me of your playing and like you like the kind of music that you're trying to make as far as guitar meditations go. Would you say that's like accurate? Yeah, that song has always been a big influence on me as well. Wow, you're really perceptive with uh, the things that you you take on. I love that song so much. I always have. I love the space of those early cure albums like i just i just think they're so fantastic i mean i love most cure albums but uh especially 17 seconds and and faith those two are just the recordings it's it really does sound like another sort of dimension or something it sounds Mm -hmm. like out of this world it doesn't it doesn't sound like it exists in this world i love i love those and pornography too but 17 seconds in faith 
yeah i love their goth i love their gothy era and also like um in that in that same era like uh like cocktail twins stuff like that is like a like something i really love and yes and their guitar tones are are, they don't remind me of like chromatics but like that same kind of thing like the guitar meditations and the kind of like like the opening of let's say like uh heaven or las vegas or something yeah i could see that as a guitar meditation now now that you brought this guitar meditation thing into play i kind of see it in a lot of music that's cool yeah i mean that's that's i could sit and listen to the intro of heaven or las vegas like over and over and over again and just listen to that i mean the rest of the song is just as amazing but i really love robin guthrie's guitar playing for sure the i I like some of his solo records too like i he has a lot of them i haven't heard all of them but um like everything that i've heard is pretty amazing actually they're kind of more similar to like what we were talking about with guitar meditation style, just so, sort of like drifty soundscapey mm-hmm. stuff. That's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jerody Colum, obvious influence. Um, I also didn't know this person or this band or this group before uh, you introduced them to me, but I've been listening to them a fair amount and like love no more is one of the songs that kind of reminded me of your stuff a little bit. Oh wow. wow, that's kind of later later era. I don't I uh which is cool. I like the later era stuff too. Um I haven't listened to it as much. My favorite one of theirs is LC. I think mm-hmm. it's the second album. But I, pretty much everything that they do is like is great. <laughs> I mean, I love I mean Darudi Column is just fantastic. Like it's like one of those bands that I had always heard of. And I could never find their records anywhere. And then when I found one of their LC in 2004, I was just like, my mind was so blown because I just can't believe how much mileage he gets out of just like one guitar and six strings. And it's pretty incredible. Yeah, no, it's it's beautiful. And I love the light um, singing underneath too, but how, yeah. how again, the guitar is the most like prominent part of it. Kind of right. like guide through the song. Yeah. Yeah. It's man. Yeah. I mean, you're you're not going to go wrong with any of his records, so uh, or their records because it's Bruce Mitchell too and Keir Stewart who plays in it now. But um, yeah, great, great, great music. Totally changed my life. Dirty Column and Kira Robert Smith and probably Kurt Cobain are, are probably like some of my biggest influences for sure. Yeah, so it's cool to see now that you're kind of like again like in that lineage as you said. It's it, it's really it's really cool. Like. Um, Again, you're not going and doing professional playing. You're not doing classical playing. It's just kind of like a nice through line. And and you can start with that music and kind of end with now, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I hope I hope that I'm able to continue to expand and on con- that. And continue. Yeah. <laughs> but for now, yeah. right, right now. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I the stuff I'm working on with some friends is kind of like blending some of that. And it's I, the, the stuff we're working on sounds really good. And I'm so um i haven't hit a wall yet <laughs> i think okay, i only good. i only tend to hit a wall when i have some sort of expectation i don't really have uh, expectations so much anymore i just try to let things happen as they come yeah i feel like you've accomplished so much in your 
you know, short time on earth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you've been to so many different places and met so many interesting people and, and that kind of stuff. And like, you made so much good music. I feel like who, like wh- what else do you need to expect? You know what I mean? Just make the music that you want to make at this point. Yeah. I feel really lucky and really grateful. Cause it's just, I mean, it's, it, it's really daunting sometimes making stuff. You're just like, you want to be real and be honest with yourself be true to yourself and what you want to do but then you also don't want to be so you want to make something that's worth listening to right <laughs> for other people but and, and for yourself first but i mean you hope that other people will be into it but if if they're not you can't like let that destroy you yeah i i, I feel like vaguely the same way with like doing music criticism and stuff because i don't want to I don't know. I don't want to just put, you know, F's and C's and D's out there and just get the attention and that kind of right. stuff. That's not when I came into it for, but I'm also not here to just like, you know, just only write about music that I like or, or like, that's it. You know what I mean? I kind of, it is, you kind of have to find the balance in between and not lose yourself for sure. to the crowd. Yeah. Well, music criticism is really interesting because when you read really good music criticism, it's pretty amazing. It's like, it's I, criticism of anything, you know, it's literary criticism, like artistic criticism it's 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 really i mean it's it it's like becomes its own thing it's like it's it's its own art you know what i mean mm-hmm. i love i love when i when i read stuff that like makes me think of something differently or ties things together in a different way it's it's re- it's a serious skill for people that people can do have you ever read that book gosh i can't remember what it nick is it nick hornby it's called like a wop baba loobop a wop bam boom i know i know nick hornby i haven't read that book though is that about music criticism it might be not maybe not nick hornby it might be nick kent nick kent nick who's the guy who wrote high fidelity is that nick hornby hornsby yeah oh yeah okay it's nick i think it's nick kent then um okay it came out in the 60s it's sort of like these essays criticisms like examinations of music and pop culture from like a lot of of a lot of classic things classic classic artists like the beatles the beach boys james brown Mm -hmm. um jazz artists blues and uh what he has his just observations are so so smart like the things that he's able to tie together i'll i'll email you the book i'll I'll show you i'll send you a link afterwards Mm -hmm. because i i highly recommend it it's really good yeah, because I, I I try and you know before moving on to like the last question and um, I, I I tend to think of music criticism as having kind of a negative connotation because of the word critic, but I I tend to think of it more like journalism. Like yeah, I like I like to travel places and go to festivals and stuff and just write about the things that I like and things that I see and just things that have nothing to do with music. Like let's say some guy threw up in front of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> some guy put that in, in there for sure. For sure, put it in there. Yeah, yeah. Like it's your experience. Why not? like you should include your experience. That's what that's, I want to read people's own experience and their own point of view, even if I disagree with it sometimes, or Mm -hmm. it doesn't, I don't know. I just like to see where people are coming from, what they have to say. It's there's a writer. I can't remember her name too. She's like a travel writer. I think she's still around. I've never read travel writing before, but I had somebody had recommended somebody that I liked 
another writer was saying how she liked this person's essays. And I was like, the, the man, her essays were so good on travel writing. I could read about a place that I'd never even been to before. And I was just totally like, like kind of, I don't know, just had the art, the author's point of view. It wasn't mm-hmm. even so much about the, the place but, necessarily. But like, yeah. But like the experience and the feelings. And right. All, it's everything. like more like the deaths, the, the location she was writing about was sort of just the, the lift off, like the lift off point to talk mm-hmm. about something else. And that's what, right. that's what I, I, I that's really neat. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, it's what I try to do with, 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 uh, with it, you know I mean? Try to do something different. Yeah. Sure. Um, but then kind of, you know, going into your, um, so some of the things from your Instagram are very interesting. Uh, and, I, and I'd be remiss not to talk about them. Just kind of looking oh, sure. through, through your different experiences and stuff. Um, first off, I want to look, I want to talk about uh, how you played a show with the fall in 2003. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, with the Vogue, right? No, that was chromatics. It was, yeah, it was chromatics 2003. It was when my friend Nat, oh, not my uh, brother, my bad. Yeah. Uh, uh, but my, cause my brother, Nat Walker, he's, he's the drummer and kind of program oh, one sure. of the programmers slash producers and stuff of chromatics. And, uh, but it was my friend Nat and then my friend, well, his name was Ron, but he goes by his name, his original name, Maximilian. Now he played drums. Um, and so I don't even know how, maybe we knew the promoter or something and they asked us to open up for the, like they knew that we were fall fans. So we got to, you know, they were like, Oh, this would be a good combination or whatever. And it was, it was really fun. I mean, they were, it was really cool to see. I feel really privileged that we got to play a show with them. It was kind of a, I will say like, I got kind of a dark vibe (laughs) from from them. Well, it just didn't seem like it was a very happy atmosphere, but also that's just sort of my impression as an outsider. And also I know, you know, bands can be weird, their own, weird ecosystems and maybe they were just having a bad day. But then again, I also heard Marky Smith was not really an angel, so it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. But it is, it is interesting, like meeting people that you're like deeply inspired by and stuff like that. That's one of the things like we and me and and Troy started this page like a year and a half ago. And just like, I don't know, like uh, I don't want to name any specific names, but it it is interesting how like you, you, you get this idea of a person in your head or you think like meeting them is going to be like this or that. And then you meet them and it's like a two second meetup and it's like, Oh, okay. Or like the vibes are a little bit That guy sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, In so many words. (laughs) It's real interesting. No, I know what you mean. It's like, I think that I've just, yeah, I, I've had experiences like that before too. I've just tried to look at everybody as just like a person. I don't really put people that I admire, like their creative work. I don't, I'm not saying that you do this too, but, or, but I'm just saying when, when those things would happen to me, I think it was, I was kind of like putting a person on a pedestal and it's right. kind of easy to do that because if you really like their music or whatever, you know, it's easy to project a lot of things onto them, but at the end of the day, the they're just a person just like you and me. So they're going to be subject to the same like uh, peaks and valleys or faults or whatever. So I don't, I've never, 
I've learned to not hold anything like that against somebody. Yeah. Because like, I mean, thankfully people are, are very friendly and I, to me and I like talking to people. And so I've never really had a bad experience where I've had to like really put a boundary up with people. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I can understand how, you know, other people could be more sensitive and not want their space infringed. I mean, I can, I've definitely run into people before and talk to them and kind of, I'm happy and gracious to, to speak to them. But then I have it. See, I I really like to talk and and interact with people and hear about them. I can see how like if I kept it sort of going, like then people could feel like a little too comfortable and start asking me things that that uh, I probably don't. It shouldn't be discussing. So I'm just so then I do kind of have to put that boundary up. But it's like also I'm sort of signaling to them that I'm open, so they feel comfortable asking me that so i sort of brought that upon myself you know what i mean yeah it's a concept of uh, being a punisher or whatever like I, I think on like phoebe bridger's album that was a huge theme the newest one it was like uh this whole idea of like a fan coming up to you and you're like tired as fuck and you're trying to get into your trailer and like this person's like hey hey like can we talk and it's just like you're open and you're nice yeah you know what i mean you don't want to be a dick to this person because you don't want them to tell that story to people yeah so you're just like all right you just gotta like endure it <laughs> you know i mean it's interesting that's funny uh that that word is being picked up in the vernacular it's definitely one that i've heard kicked around in with a lot of friends for a, a while so it's funny it's cool i, I mean everybody <laughs> instantly knows what it means yeah it's funny because everybody uh, especially in music everybody probably has been a punisher and everybody like punishes and even i i see that to an extent i see like sometimes i talk to an artist and i'm like shit i'm bothering them or like you know if uh, someone in my dms will hit me up and talk about my my sh- stuff and just like keep talking to me i'm just like all right leave me yeah. alone <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah it's just it's just it's just a fine line line you just i mean yeah it's just are people coming to you it's life is hard you know so it's just like if they're really if people really respond to something that you do mm-hmm. like it's it's an honor in a way that they feel like they can open up to you but if you're not careful it can sort of easily like take a ba- take a turn to a place that you you might not want to be oh, for going sure. to so you just need to be cognizant of that but um but for sure, I was a big time Punisher when I was a teenager. I'll tell you that, man. <laughs> like, man, I was probably the biggest Punisher in the state of Minnesota. So <laughs> I, I have compassion for other Punishers. <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's fair. That makes sense. Maybe some people were never Punishers and that's why they act certain ways. Yeah, true. Who knows? You, you never know. And then uh, another, I have maybe like two or three other ones before we conclude. Uh, sure. Just really interesting ones. Uh, Carl, Carl Lagerford of, of Chanel and obviously the Carl Lagerford brand. Uh, you you talked to him for like at least a moment, right? Because you guys soundtracked yeah. like the Chanel show, which is fucking crazy also, by the way. Yeah. Oh, thanks. It was That was really unique and weird and surreal and fun. Just like another sort of once in a lifetime thing. He's like, I mean, we didn't really talk to him that that long, but he was like, it was just sort of funny. It was like sort of like photo op town, a, a photo op time. And he was like, I think I said it in the Instagram post. He's like, I think you will go very far. I think your music is, it is 
divine like <laughs> like like kind of like such a caricature of what somebody like that would say but i mean it's carl lagerfeld so it's like that was awesome you know what i mean yeah kind of so like cool. the opposite of the the opposite of the fall experience where you meet the dude and you're like that's exactly what i thought he would say <laughs> like, yeah, yeah 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 i mean i mean because yeah but it was it was really cool to talk to him we got to give him like this like we made these like sort of like art books like of art books slash lyric books when kill for love came out just like very small at kinko's small run and Mm -hmm. uh i was able to give carl lagerfeld some because like the drawings that i had done in them were inspired by a lot of fashion stuff so i don't know if he ever looked at it or whatever he gave it to his handler um (laughs) but you know maybe he revisited it uh i wish i could talk to him some more it seems like an interesting guy but he's no longer no longer here R.I.P. to Carl. Yes. Um, legend, fashion legend. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, one more, one more legend that I wanted to mention. Sure. Uh, David Lynch. So mm-hmm. it's just so crazy to me that you guys were chromatics. Number one, were on the show. Like you guys, yeah. like you guys are pretty much like the Julie Cruz of that episode, essentially. Uh, yeah. You know, it's crazy to me still too. <laughs> so maybe we're in the same could- boat. Yeah, maybe you can tell me a bit about that, like uh, the the whole photo shoot and just like playing at his like um, there was like a I saw like a banquet or something like that you guys were playing at like just uh, that yeah. whole experience. Maybe tell me like how that came about and maybe what meeting him was like a little bit. Well, the whole all the bang bang bar scenes were shot in a weekend um, in at this. I think it was like the. Well, actually, I won't say it because I don't know if they want to keep stuff like secret or not, but uh, (laughs) at a place in Pasadena and um, with like, you know, the Bang Bang Bar set because they have, you know, have obviously economically it makes like way more sense to just shoot all the bands there for the season. So, Mm -hmm. um, no, he was just like very nice and really gracious. We got up and, you know, I think who was it that went on before us? I think it was the cast cactus blossoms recorded their bit before mm-hmm. us. And then we went up there and then he was like, hi, I'm David. He's like, what's your name? <laughs> Hand outstretched. I'm like, Adam, he's like, Adam, nice to meet you. And then like goes around to the rest of the band and does the exact same thing. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, well, names all of us. He's like, are you guys all, are y'all ready to work today? And we're like, yeah, he's like, good deal. And then we just did it and shot it. And it was like, I think that was, I think maybe I said, thank you. You know, at the end, I think we did one or two takes of shadow one of Saturday and then some other people shot. And then we shot with Julie Cruz uh, in the, I think it's the second to last episode or the last episode. There's like, she has a band behind her, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's us. And, uh, I wonder if our friend Dean was in that too. Um, someone from that band, Alex from that band, Dirty Beaches, he was in it playing saxophone. An extra hmm. dude that they hired to like play saxophone. Um, but yeah, so we shot that later in the afternoon. That was really cool. And then we played at the opening premiere after they showed it at the Ace Hotel um, in hmm. downtown LA. We mm-hmm. played it. The party was at Clifton's cafeteria. Um, and so we get, we, we played a few songs for like 
the private party there, which was pretty cool. That was really neat. And I think, and we took another picture with him there and I said, you know, I said hi to him, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was, I wasn't going to be a punisher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 What was, a, what was filming a racer head like? And, and yeah. you get the idea from Twin Peaks and also, yeah, him all and drive. <laughs> why'd you guys yeah why'd you guys decide to you know shoot that angle when frank is freaking out like in blue velvet yeah so he's very he's very approachable and friendly in that way it's just that i didn't i didn't really want to bother him i had nothing else to say other than to just be gracious and thank him for the opportunity and i'm still grateful for it because it's definitely exposed a lot of people to our music so and it's sort of now kind of like immortalized in the the season in super the show icon- super iconic especially playing behind julie cruz too like- yeah that was really cool that was oh. and then like like that a- after the party this this woman who was like she was in just like one scene she was this hollywood actress she got like really 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 like blackout drunk and we had we had to like <laughs> give her we ended up giving her a ride home in like West Hollywood. And I was like, I, I somehow I figured out what her name was. And then, so afterwards I, I, uh, I sort of Googled or searched her, but she was in the original ghoulies. Do you remember that movie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I was like, that was like the, that was pretty trippy to me because that VHS cover used to scare the hell out of me at the video store when I was a kid with the ghoulie popping out of the toilet. It's just so, so <laughs> iconic. So that was really weird. I was that, just like kind of worlds colliding, just like the lady who played in ghoulies. Hey bro, you saved your life. <laughs> <laughs> that night. Pretty, pretty weird. Los Angeles is a weird place. Yeah, but yeah, I'd love to dig more into it and explore that as I uh, continue my career and go there and start meeting people and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can always I can point you in the direction of some places that are worth exploring if you ever come out here. Hell yeah! Or when I mean, yeah. when you come out here, sorry. Absolutely. And then the last person I wanted to talk about a little bit, maybe it's like a sensitive topic. I don't know, but I want to talk a little bit about Ruth Rabbit because I know that you guys have a really close relationship. Yeah. Um, and then, so how did you guys first meet and, um, like, what have you learned for her from her over the years? Like, you know, being in the band or just, you know, offstage also. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I met Ruth, she maybe at a chromatic show in 2002 or maybe a time before then. Um, I mean, I've, I basically just view Ruth as like my sister. She's, I mean, she's the sister Natty and I never had. So I love Ruth so much. We talk a lot. We're in touch a lot. We, um, I've definitely learned a lot from her. She's very, very solid in her values. And it's pretty, it's pretty inspiring. Actually. She does not deviate. Like she's a very, very solid person. And so I feel just really lucky to, you know, be, be in her life and be her friend. She's definitely like a lifelong friend. Like my parents love her. She's, we can talk about anything. We don't always agree on everything, but that's fine. You know, that's like, uh, that's sort of like the brother sister dynamic. So, Mm. and we still, we still work on music together. Um, 
we just right now it's just sort of fun exploring trying new things so there's really no i really love the music that we worked on together um mm-hmm. and it, it will come out one day we're just not sure what we're gonna what we're gonna do with it yet it's more just like we're just sort of like sitting on it till whatever we do feels right for it you're talking about you and you and you're talking about are you talking about chromatics or are you and ruth directly no just or just ruth that ruth and natty and i too or just sometimes we just you know mm-hmm. we'll, we just share ideas a lot or it'll be like you know i sent her a song she's she was like to see if she could write some vocals to it she just like i don't like to use the word killed it because i just it has too much association of like toxic masculinity to me, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, she, she sent it into outer space. I'll tell you that like this, it was, I w- couldn't believe how awesome it was. So we're going to do something with that eventually, but she's working on her, on her stuff. Like, so she'll send me music and just ask for my opinion or I'll ask, I'll send her my music and ask for her opinion. Same with Natty, same with Ida from Glass Candy. So it's just it's trying to be like a supportive environment and just try to help each other the, whatever way with that we can. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it makes sense that you guys are so close knit because you guys like run the same label, you tour together, you know what I mean? Like so many pictures of you guys together, so many different events, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So it makes sense that you guys are so close. Yeah. 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 I would be, I would definitely be a different person if Ruth was not uh, such a big part of my life. I'm really grateful for her. All right. And then I wanted to ask you kind of like a bonus, like Nardwar question here. Sure. Uh, so is it true that you were one of the first employees at the Ace Hotel? <laughs> um, I would, I wouldn't. Yeah, I guess that is probably kind of true. <laughs> Good. Wow. Damn. Where'd you, where'd wow. you get that? Hey, you're, uh, you're, you're Adam Miller. We have to know. <laughs> good, one. good one good deal um yeah the uh the seattle ace hotel was the first ace hotel it was i think it's still open it's in belltown man that was such a fun job i really miss that because when when you work there i would work from four to midnight or i would work from midnight to eight and it was only 25 rooms so i would be the only employee there mm-hmm. and uh so I was just like at the front desk from four to 12, checking people in and I would just play music, like play canned Tego Mego on the stereo and just, man, that place was, I was like the, compared to the other guys who worked there, they mm-hmm. were, I mean, they were having like Coke parties and stuff like while they're on, <laughs> while oh they're on shift. Uh, maybe i shouldn't i maybe i shouldn't say more because i don't want to get anybody in trouble but uh (laughs) it was like yeah it was pretty it was kind of wild there was but i think our boss was kind of amused by it actually Mm -hmm. i mean and it was i don't think it ever really negatively affected like anybody's job but it was just like some of the people that i worked with they were such party boys and it would just be like if everybody's checked in that night and then there were somebody's got to be on duty from like midnight to eight. It would like a friend would just invite a bunch of friends over into the room and they would just like stay up. Like, cause you could forward all the calls to the room. Mm-hmm. So if like anybody ever had an issue, it was like my coworker, you know, be picking pick up, up. The, pick up and be all like drunk and stuff. I used to just go to sleep and, uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a really, 
really great job. I mean, I did have a few small parties there, but never Coke parties because that wasn't my thing. But um, wow. it's, but, that's interesting because the Ace is such like an iconic brand and like, like with music, art, and like there's like, I was even just looking up on Wikipedia, there's like 30 locations, like 50 locations across the world and shit. It's very interesting how it was started like with with that and and like like started on such a thin <laughs> a thin a thin veil of surface yeah you know what i mean yeah. you know what i'm trying to say yeah <laughs> like, no know. it's interesting how things happen yeah. like that i mean yeah, yeah it was a it was really great i mean i was also going to community college for a little while and at that time so i was like so i was a student then so it was great to just you know i just sit at the front desk play music and then i'd be doing my homework and stuff when I didn't have to be uh, checking people in, which there was not many people checking in because it was such a small hotel, but I actually ended up working at two, two other hotels after that. I I love, I love working at hotels. (laughs) It's a really fun job. Yeah. Maybe you should, maybe in your next phase of your career, maybe you should pick it up again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like having to be like, at on time at a place like five days a week <laughs> yeah, i wish so, I, no no i know sometimes i really do fantasize i'm like man i would just wish i could go back to the best western seattle pioneer square hotel and just be a bellboy for a day like they wouldn't even have to pay me i, I would have so much fun because i just loved just the people who would come in and checking them in and just learning how to read people and just mm-hmm. it was I definitely, I, I, I acquired some skills, some people's skills that I don't think I would have acquired in uh, other places, yeah, especially, especially being a bellboy. Cause anybody who wor- works, well, at least then before things were had transitioned more to cashless, there was just like all these just sort of little hustles on, like I knew like all these different cab drivers. So when anybody wanted to come to the airport, I'd like call this one cab driver Mm-hmm. They'd always tip me five bucks, like for like, uh, you know, using them. So mm-hmm. it was just like all these little. I could make like a lot of, like sometimes like fifty to a hundred bucks on the side, just like calling these different cab drivers or this or that. It was just, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that that's I guess that's sort of the kickbacks of the hospitality industry. I don't know if it's so much like that anymore, but it was a it was a fun time. <laughs> yeah man um yeah so it's been it's been been great talking to you for sure yeah um yeah so you um should we, you still want to do print right you said well, yeah let's let's do a print maybe if that's cool if you, if that's cool with you guys yeah I mean, that works yeah, yeah I, I we were thinking about doing a zine um like recently like that's an idea we've been thinking of and we've been thinking of trying to like theme to theme it and that kind of stuff so i definitely want to try and center it around like meditation and like the past oh, cool. and that kind of stuff Cause I, I, you know, you prefer more of guided meditation. I really love like transcendental meditation. Yeah. I've never um, done that before. I mean, I've always been curious about it. Do you have like, did did you get the mantra or whatever? You should give it a try. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it helps for me. Uh, I guess this is kind of like off the record now. Uh, like for me, it helps because like, um, I, I honestly learned it from David Lynch, just watching all of his interviews because all the modern ones, people want to ask him about these movies and shit. And he just always just talks about transcendental meditation. Yeah. So I, the third season of Twin Peaks really did it for me because like that's all about transcendental meditation and ideas and like the purple yeah. sea of just like starting from the bottom of ideas and rising all the way up and that kind of stuff. It helps me when you get it, you get a nonsense mantra and you just keep saying it over and over and over and over again. And it starts to mean different things. 
and like it starts to like like I was writing a movie script one time and um, I kept repeating the mantra and it, and that phrase like it like took on a weird beast of its own and it like started like that makes a lot of almost, sense it almost started to sound like an adjective to describe a character or like a, a person's name or like a, a exclamation before somebody like gets shot or like whatever so, like it, it comes up in a script um, so it's really good for creative shit because it really like it really blanks out your mind and just like makes it makes everything all in one plane like all fiction all of like everything just all like one like plane of existence i don't know yeah that makes sense no it totally makes sense i mean i think that you can sort of like achieve that through different things if i'm just sort of like closing my eyes and just like intently focusing on only the air passing in and out of my nostrils and every time i'm just sort of like my brain deviates off that like mm-hmm. but it's like sometimes i can just I'll just sit and I'll focus on my nostrils and then I'll just take a deep breath. And then some sort of create creative idea comes out through that way, like, Mm. like later in the day or something too. So it's just, I think these are all just sort of tools that are within, within all of us to sort of just help us throughout life in, in so many different ways. So yeah, definitely. But, but I would definitely be into doing some, like trying something like that. I just, I'm just not ready to pay like the $1,500 for the mantra or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I just make, you just make your own for me. It's oh, like you I made just, your own up. That's yeah, cool. Just make, you just make your own. Like, um, like, I don't know, whatever you come up with the word, let's say it's like lamp and you just reverse the word lamp and whatever that phonetically sounds like, maybe it's Pamal. You just keep right. saying Pamal, 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 Pamal. And then, you know, Pamal becomes different things as you keep repeating it. And That's it so cool. Yeah. And, and also it just like with your going into your nostrils, like, let's say an intrusive idea comes in like, Oh, I have work, like put them all like, you know what I mean? Oh, I have like this. It just like helps ward (laughs) it off. Right. You know, serenity now or like that episode. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Serenity now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's actually cool. You know, I'm I'm actually going to try that. Maybe I'm going to try that tomorrow and see how that goes. Give it a try. It helps me, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's great. That's really, that's, that's, that's helpful cool well this has been a lot of fun thanks for doing this like i i appreciate i feel honored that you guys care enough to be interested in letting me ramble for like an hour <laughs> hey man i uh have loved your music since like i don't even fucking know when like ninth grade or some shit like i have a i have somewhere like a signed copy with your signature on it of a, oh this, really oh um, yeah oh, awesome all you guys on it yeah mm-hmm. so i've been i've been collecting like Italians do better shit. I've been like, I've been into your guys' music for a long time. So Dang. it's an absolute yeah. honor. It's an honor that you're talking to us, to be honest. Oh. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah. it's, it goes both ways. It's, I'm just, yeah, I just feel lucky and I'm excited to see like how this turns out and stuff. And I'm, I, it's cool to hear your enthusiasm for just making stuff. Like, I think that as long as, I'm not trying to sound like I'm trying to give advice or something, but I think no, that, go, advice away, bro. Please. No, yeah, no. I just think please. that if you like, if you feel good about what you're doing and you can stand behind it, even if it takes other people a while to catch up to it, eventually they will because ultimately what will always rule is truth and authenticity. It just can take people a while to f- filter through all the other just layers of bullshit that we're constantly being bombarded with. 